Content warning. This series will discuss topics that may bring up painful experiences for you. Please take the time to surround yourself with good medicines. If need be, pause the playback and go for a walk, stretch, have a glass of water, and come back to the show when you feel comfortable. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. On this podcast series, we will be exploring learning, healing, and rebuilding within the Métis community. Our goal is to create awareness of and generate discussion about Métis issues, as well as how to heal from and move forward in a healthy way. We hope to reduce Métis invisibility in BC through the personal stories from our Métis community members. This show is brought to you by Métis Nation BC and Jelly Marketing. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I am thrilled to introduce you to Leah Dorian, who is an accomplished interdisciplinary Métis artist from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Dorian is a teacher, painter, filmmaker, and published writer with a BED, BA, and MA. She is a self-taught visual artist and credits her creative family for inspiring her to take up painting and traditional Métis arts. Leah, there's so much to talk about today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's nice to be here joining from Saskatchewan. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here. I'm going to start off with a big question, and I'm always thrilled to hear different people's kind of take on this question and their answers is, what does it mean being Métis to you? What what does that look like and, and what is the meaning for you in your life? Well, for me, being Métis is so tied to where I'm from. I'm from Saskatchewan. I'm from a very large River Métis family, the Dorian family. Our roots are to Cumberland House, Saskatchewan. And Saskatchewan is such a beautiful place of diverse land. And I feel for me, though, what is so life-giving to our Métis people, and particularly my family, is the river systems in Saskatchewan. They really give life to us. The rivers brought our first ancestors here to trade with our First Nations relatives. And growing up in Saskatchewan, always having the North Saskatchewan River in my life, I really identify with my river Métis heritage. It defines me. It is part of how I see the world and how I see being Métis. Now, always living around either the North or South Saskatchewan River system, I've always found that rivers seem to connect us and they connect us Métis across every part of Canada and North America as well. And I just feel that because I have a River Métis heritage that I really find that I go to Métis communities, I go to the River Métis communities, and I feel home there, and I feel welcomed. And I feel like a voyager as much as my ancestors were voyagers as well, because we have been taught in my family, because we're River Métis heritage, is to, we wear our diplomatic relations on ourselves, on our being, on our clothing, our identity is in our clothing and in our behavior. So what we do is when we come into other territory, we always introduce ourselves, we give gifts, and we visit. You know, we earn our way into new passage of the land. And so I've always applied those principles. 
And I just feel that, you know, it's made for good life for me as a Métis woman. And I've learned to meet other Métis families, no matter where I go. Also, the First Nations relatives that host us and have welcomed us in. And I feel because of growing up with those protocols and that teaching of that worldview, I have really had a good lived experience as a Métis person. (laughs) So, you know, I don't have the fear and I don't have the... I just don't have that shame-based ball and chain. And I have to thank my late father, Louis Dorian, a beautiful Métis man of the land, carpenter, trapper, grew up in the North. And he gave me that gift of that teaching and the family, his sisters and uncles, aunties, all the family, because it really helped me survive wherever I go. I search out my kin and I search out support. And I walk in and I, I just, you know... I don't have that fear of making friends. (laughs) And dad always said one thing, if I can share one thing, I'm sorry uh, to divert here, but dad always said, Leah, my girl, you're going away. When you move, like for instance, Saskatoon to go to school, you find those Mady elders, you go knock on the doors of the Mady community and you find the Mady elders. You introduce yourself and you're going to be okay. And I've applied that ever since. So whenever I enter a new community, I find out who the elders are and I go introduce myself. And I have to thank my good old trapper dad (laughs) for that protocol. And it really has made me feel so connected to a bigger matey community. And I've applied it. And you know how welcoming our community members are, our elders from coast to coast? They just, oh, wow, we're still strong people. We really are. It's amazing. You mentioned something about clothing and, and those that are listening and not watching this interview behind Leah's shoulder right now is some sashes. And, and so the, the question I have is, when do you know when to wear a sash and when not to rock the sash when you go places? Well, I'm so blessed because when you're an artist, you get a little liberty, right? And the community tends to accept me as an artist as well and a maybe community member. I typically pull my sash though for me when I'm at a place where we need a voice as Métis that we're there and we need to show we're there and make a presence so I'll wear my sash in innovative ways and that's one thing I've been known to do and I'm a fan of pins I don't know what it is I I could like I just embellish my sash with like identity and story and love and character so I'm like pins. I pick pins that suit the occasion. And I really wear my sash, you know, when I really need to be recognized in my community doing the work I do, especially if it's a community hosted event, oh, big time. Like that's just something I tend to do. Amazing. And and what about, and and people pronounce this differently, capotes or capote jackets. Do you, do you wear one of those? You know, I actually, actually I can go further. I don't own one. Okay. But I know an elder, Joanna Potiyande, yeah. she's like, what, 86 now. She makes them. And she's okay. been teaching me slowly. Oh. And I'm hoping to get the training and work with her to continue that skill so I can make them and reintroduce them into my community. Yeah. So there's workshops already happening, but I really want to like get that really nice lived experience. I've been working with Elder Joanna for years. And, you know, I'm just learned so much from her about our our fashion as Métis women and making clothing, traditional clothing. So I'm really into traditional clothing for sure. I, I've always found for an artist, a Métis artist, clothing and the wearable art has been probably the first step in my artistic practice 
it's first and then the modern, you know, taking the acrylic paint, putting things to canvas, um, doing all those earth-based installations, some different mediums. Uh, clothing was first. Those cultural symbols were my first lesson of being an artist. Yeah, one great thing about every Métis gathering, even from the, the you know, men's perspective, is the, the amount of amazing vests that men's wear with, with the beadwork on them. Oh, I, you know, it's so true. My father, my late father, Louis Dorian, he started the PMA Default Festival and he realized like, I got to get a vest for this. This is big. Like we're, it's the first festival in an urban center, like ever that we're creating. And he actually got his sister, Isabel, and then two other women helped, like literally passed his vest around. He had three women working on it. One did, my auntie did the beadwork, one did the sewing and the one did the lining. So we had like three maybe women and he wore that so proudly. And he literally had people, they did such a beautiful job. We knew he was an ambassador and doing something special. We put our heart and soul into addressing my dad <laughs> as Maybe. an ambassador, right? And we got him like fully decked out and he did so much beautiful PR in his full traditional clothing. And I think when you get those women and artists behind you in your clothing and, oh man, we, you know, we put the power behind our ambassadors, like our men, like my, my late father did. And it gave him that confidence and that support. And literally, it was, he just looks so wonderful. So wonderful. It's amazing. Leah, do, do we pronounce it? How do you pronounce the jackets, the Meiji jackets? How do you say it? Capote. I, Capote. Capote. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's what I do. Okay. So, My, one thing I, I need to ask do, 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 yeah. your artistic perspective and, and, and from your wise, learned perspective if I show up in a Capote jacket, that is made with fleece and not a wool jacket because my skin gets really itchy from the wool. Am I just as cool? Is it just as accepted? You're even cooler because you're saving your butt from itching yourself to death. You are like a, an awakened human being who has allergies and is dealing with them and not living in denial. I love you. You do that because comfort is the matey right. way. Like we got to dance. We got to be busy. Yeah. We can't be itching and scratching the whole time and be distracted. We got to put ourselves in our event. And substitution has been the matey way. Yeah. You know, us first in the fur trade, the daughters of the country, we like substitute hides for certain fabrics. We yeah. took different ribbons and replaced fringe of high dresses. Like we were always innovative substitutors. And because I come from a Northern Maidy family and when your bead, orange beads ran out and you're not getting another shipment at the Hudson Bay Company store for like six months, you innovate, you go get that moose moose beard, you dye it, you cut it, and you make moose tire tufting with your beadwork and you extend your art supplies the best you can. And amazing. Then, you know, you do what you got to do. We are so pragmatic in some ways in our art, like practical, but we find ways to make practicality beautiful. Yeah. I wonder if there's more fleece options, compote jackets will make more of a... a I think a, liners a are becoming... Yeah. And I think the lining, because I think lining, there's so many ways to like, techniques and stuff, tools, women and men can like yeah. line clothing, like that wool clothing. Like I have an, another community member. She can't even, can't work with wool. She just breaks yeah. out completely. And she oh. does all the, yeah. the, you know, all the macrame and all the, you know, knitting and everything. Yeah. So you're right. Like, well, Leah, there's so next, many products. <laughs> so many. Next time we're on the show, we can both wear our jackets. I think if we, if I can get one and you can get one by that time yeah. and we can yeah. show off the artistry in our, our capotes. That would I be amazing. Know. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> the, the capote challenge. Yeah. Especially being 
cold, right? In Canada, yeah. like, you yes. know, you're going to, well, for where am I? I know you're in BC, but yeah. oh my goodness, like Saskatchewan. Yeah. We got a lot of months to wear those. Yeah. <laughs> that is me. Are you going for the full like traditional Hudson's Bay colors? Or are you going to go more kind of like the brown muted colors? Are you going? I will, you know, if I do it, I'm, I, I love white. And it's a heck of a thing to keep clean, but you know yeah. what, you know, but then again, you know, these artists, artist brain, you, you all of us, Joanna found a pink, beautiful pink Hudson Bay company blanket. This woman is what? amazing. What? I have a green one that what? she helped me find from an elder in Manitoba. Oh, oh like yeah. green and black, green and black ones. I've seen. Yeah. Ordering. Like. I mean, like we, she is like, I call her the magnet for finding old blankets oh, from the community. Cool. And yeah. so I've been working with her to, she found me some old women who yeah. were getting rid of their tickle trunk items. And I've got a few blankets that I've got a beautiful white with the traditional stripes and I have a green one and some really cool. So they're heritage mm. too. Like they're not purchased new. These are yeah. old. Oh, that's So we'll cool. see. But the scary thing is the getting the first yeah. cut, right? And I'm learning. So I think I might, you know, have to go through a proper process. Like we started working with, I'm working on shawls now, yeah. like from the Hudson Bay company blank, just to get the feel of working. She wants me to work with wool and learn how to do it and do yeah. some stitchery and some, you know, applique and, and whatnot. Amazing. Now, Leah, talking about your creating, your tradition, like what, what you're known for, we've been talking about yeah. clothing, but what does creating mean to you in the work that you do that you're known for? I think it's just pure joy, pure 100% fun, imagination, and innovation. And there is something wonderful about clearing into that place where you can go with the flow of creativity. And I personally love that where I'm not overthinking and I'm in the moment and I'm, I'm very, very critical. Like I'm using my mind to observe how I have to change my strategies. So I love I love that because I think it connects me to our ancestors who had limited things and had to innovate to get things done in the family, the community, in the work that they do every day. So I think creativity is a very good act of keeping the old self on the toes, keeping, you know, cognitively active and being innovative and creative. That's amazing. And if someone were to see your art and and uh, you know there's going to be uh, links here, right? If you're if you're listening on the mm-hmm. podcast or watching, maybe there's links, right, to to some of Leah's art. How does being Métis come across, and and how does it kind of show up in your artwork? Well, I've been told, and I can see it when I step back and look at my art. It is so vibrantly bright. It looks like a massive art, like traditional coat beaded everywhere, and it's just got unconventional color combinations kind of it's symmetrical but not totally always symmetrical and and I just people tell me that they just know it's distinctly Métis influenced like 100% they really attribute it to that they can see the the influence of traditional Métis arts but totally interpreted in a modern way that's awesome and for you you've had lots of great adventures along the way being an artist professionally What's one of the neatest doors that's been opened because you're a professional artist and especially a Métis artist? Well, as you saw by how we started today with lots of technical issues, I am not technical. And I am really creative. I'm willing to learn and I'm open. And I think what, as an artist, is I've been able to partner with people who can help support my practice 
to get my story or the way I want to do things. And I'm really open to collaboration. And that's for me, I think what's made my practice so long, durable and going to be the long-term way of life for me, because I am not technically inclined. So I've been mentoring a young lady. I've been, I hire maybe artists in the community to help me with tech support. You know, I just, I love, you know, people hiring local photographers to to do some of my shooting. And I'm really happy about getting help from the Métis community and supporting those Métis entrepreneurs and other genres. And I've always did dabble in like video and other things. And I think my talent I brought to that is it's the story, the content and the fire of that. And then the rest is working with those gifted people to make that audio light and the production sound. You know, so I'm open. I think the hallmark for me is I've been able to collaborate and I have an attitude of collaborative, you know, partnership with community. Amazing. And and I don't know if you can share this, if this is kind of like out of school and not allowed, but can you share kind of the, maybe the neatest person that you're aware of that owns one of your pieces or has hired you to do a commission that you're quite Oh yeah. Well, I guess we got to start with the Wabano Center for Aboriginal Health. I absolutely shout out to Wabano. You are so amazing. They serve, when they say they serve their community and they have many community members and they reached out to me, you know, when they were early in their organizational development and they said, we need Maidy artists here in our collection on our walls to make our Maidy community fem- members feel comfortable. And they bonded with me. I've done work with them. And they were like probably the biggest patron of my earlier work. They have a lot of my early, early work. And so if ever someday someone does a retrospective for Leah Doria, you know, as I get older, I'll be, you know, I'm in my 50s now. And I still hope to be going strong in 70. I'd love to be 80 still practicing and having shows where there's possible retrospective. Wabana was really good to me. And then I have to acknowledge my province. There was some purchasing done by a provincial art collection. We we are so blessed to have a, a fund in Saskatchewan where the government will purchase art and put it in an art government collection and rotate that art in their institutions, offices. So I have a few works with the provincial art collection. That's really cool. And for you, as far as I know, this may be a hard question as well, but maybe you want to talk about, you want to highlight one of your favorite pieces you've done. I know you can't say what your favorite art piece mm-hmm. is, but do you have a piece that you want to highlight or that you're really proud of that, that you want to talk about? Well, I think I love them all like small children. You know, yeah. they're so special to me and it's really... I I look at the whole collection of art and I have such a love for every one and every piece because it really had a, a purpose at that time in my life and I put everything into it. And I just, I think the works in my first year of painting are with mainly I gifted them to really important people. My mother has one, my Auntie Elsie has one. And I think those ones are probably my most you know, treasured pieces and they're in the family hands. And that's really important to me. Calvin Reset is another Métis elder who's always supported my work and he has several of my works through my career. So, which is really nice because he early on, he saw my you know aptitude and my passion and he encouraged me. And he always bought one in like every seven years, you know, <laughs> been at it a while. And he tried as I might, practice morphed, he'd purchase another first. He's got a really beautiful little span of my work in his home collection of how I've evolved. 
And I really find that quite nice. And he knows my whole story. I knew him way prior to being going in the arts world, hundred percent. And I just love that, you know, an elder in our community has supported me like that by purchasing and keeping my collection intact in their home. Speaking of which, if someone wanted to buy an original Leah Dorian piece, where can they go to pick up one of those? Yeah, one place that a person can go to purchase some of my original art and cards and prints is the Saskatchewan Craft Council Boutique in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. They are a Saskatchewan community-based artist-run boutique. And they do on the online store and they have the actual hard shop. Like you can actually go into their boutique off Broadway in Saskatoon in a really cool artsy community aspect of the city of Saskatoon. And that's been a really nice thing because I'm also shown with other Saskatchewan artists and we cross promote each other's genre. So that's one really good place. And the other place for original art is actually in BC. I have been working with Edgar Chavaria and I just, DeVic Gallery is carrying some of my work for people more in the Vancouver area. And we just dabble just a few here and there. And he's been getting artwork into that West Coast area for me of recent. And we've had a really nice working relationship too. So, and it's a newer relationship. So it's nice to build beyond Saskatchewan because I've been so biased towards Saskatchewan, but I'm really nice now to have like some Eastern representation with Oscardo out of Toronto, making reproductions of my work and, you know, helping me get that, those tourist trade items that I would never, ever be able to do. And then he's working on that end. I have my craft council in my province. And then I have people now like DeVic Gallery, that West Coast arm. So no international representation, but I'm starting to get that Canada-wide network going. And it's been a really nice experience. I've had nothing but ethical, transparent relationships with anyone who's ever worked with me. But I'm really picky as well. Like I wait till it feels right. And if we've got that match and we're really good communicating and I'm like, then we just do little micro steps of trust building and boom, you know, so I've really been blessed with having really on a whole, really ethical, transparent representation and business relationships. It's amazing. So maybe those that are listening to the show that are in Vancouver, you can go down to the gallery. We'll put a link maybe in the notes here and you can get the address and, and go see yeah. them in real life. Yeah. And I don't know if the DeVic has an office open. I think he started virtual. So that was kind of cool for me. So it would be a virtual link. So definitely get the link for that. That would be really, really nice to support. It's a different world, isn't it? (laughs) Some people are like, let's not even have a a gallery space. You know, I love the blended approach because I'm Métis. I like the best. I like still having some see the art live, but having a virtual component. And I think that's why the Craft Council Boutique has been nice. They're doing that blended approach for marketing. And you mentioned tourist trade items and, and that means, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like umbrellas and purses and scarves yes. and blankets, which, yes. which I, my family owns some of those. So my wife has an umbrella. We actually got in to Fino at a shop and my wife was so excited because she's like, look, it's a Métis artist. And so we walked around to Fino showing Leah Dorian art. I, we were a walking gallery. Oh, thank you. Oh, I love that. And again, like... That's the beauty of getting connections with those marketing people is you can get your images 
to a whole new level of audience. And I think that's something I really enjoy. The artwork that Oscar out of Toronto has picked has really been pieces that I really had a bond with. I felt they really helped people feel good and joyful and aware. That's amazing. And one thing I want to ask about is those that are listening, that are Métis, and, and there's lots of different people who are listening to the show right now and watching the show. What would you say to them and if they are Métis and they don't have any Métis art up in their house yet? What's your encouragement as far as being a Métis person and both supporting and displaying Métis art in their homes? What does that, what do you think oh, that means? Absolutely. I'm like, I'm like an educator as well. And, you know, I've had local people buy art and I'm like, let's make, do you want an artist statement for that? And, and do you want, why don't you make a little peg, you know, like, like, you know, just encouraging people to take some ownership of how they want to display their work and contextualize it. And I've always offered to do like all that help. If you're going to have something in your home, like interpret it, you know, make a, make it like a mini gallery and, you know, teaching people, you know, to present and, and, and then feel, have the story to talk about the art. And I always encourage artists to make those artist statements about their work so that if a person purchases it or they, you know, they can even just frame that little artist statement beside the work. And then the work will be, you know, contextualized by the artist because everyone's going to have an emotional interpretive reaction that's their own. And that's important, but, and it could be very different than the artist intention. So I'm always about education and working with people to, you know, be mindful of how art can be shown and elevated and uh, a big part of, you know, learning. Amazing. You mentioned earlier that people have said about your art, they just see the matiness in it. They, they see it coming across. When you think of other artists, is there some other artists that you follow or watch or kind of, you know, want to give a shout out to that are Métis artists where the Métis-ness just kind of shines through or comes across? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shines through. Métis-ness shining through. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's one of the things that I encourage. Well, in my work, I just, it just kind of shines through naturally. And I think everybody's got their own version of experience of being Métis and just let that get in your work and, and, and finding voice. And I, you know, we don't all want to be the same. We will have similar influences, but how we interpret them, like go with how you interpret something. Like I've seen beadwork, you know, we've got our traditional patterns, they're everywhere. And, but I've seen so many neat Métis artists today interpreting that, like through digital drop art where they're making little digital beads and recreating but making innovation with digital works i've seen some do some amazing well christy belcourt really put that pointillism you know it really looks like beadwork until you go to the canvas and realize she's paint to do that you know i just think it's really neat to see to be inspired collectively by our inherent beadwork tradition and then be reinterpreting it in many ways in our own ways. And for you, as far as kind of like next steps, kind of things brewing at the moment, is there any kind of pieces that you're really excited about that you're working on or anything that we can kind of any sneak previews? Yeah, well, I've actually just have a show at Wanaskamen right now, which is near Saskatoon. And we have an art show exhibit up about what the land there means. And they just reintroduced the bison. So I'm like, right now, I'm like, everything is like, bison center 
for me. And so, but there, if anybody happens to be in Saskatoon and they have a stopover or traveling and there's a really nice show up there with a lot of other artists, First Nations and Métis, and we have our work up there till I think in January. So that's kind of like a show up now. The other thing is Wanaskewin Boutique is going to carry. I had a show called The 13 Moons up for a couple years. And it's done a lot of little regional art galleries. But I think I'm ready to start letting that collection go. And I think Wanaskewin might be working with me to start letting some of that original work go up for sale in the near future. So we'll probably do a combination of online sales and in-gallery, you know, sales as well for that. So that's kind of exciting because I've been an art hoarder (laughs) and I haven't, I'm picky about selling my work away. And people have always said that to me about me. I just don't over flood. I'm like this mysterious, you know, really tentative about that. But to me, I like my work to get shown a lot in public before it breaks up into private collections. And I've always been like that. And I like to keep a whole series of work together for a while until I'm happy it's been shown. It's seen a lot of people and then I'm ready to break it up. So I'm at that stage where I'm ready to let a collection of work go again. So that's pretty big for me. And so I'm working out the details. You've no one else knows about it, but it is going to be coming. So um, hopefully that's something that'll be my next big sharing and uh, releasing. And then it leads, once you let a body of work go, all my art crates are empty again. And then I will be ready to start maybe a new focus. So yeah. what that will be, not quite sure. So yeah. that's how that works. process works for me. I have to let a bunch go to let new stuff enter. Amazing. And the timing can be great. That Jupiter is the closest it's ever been in a very long time. And you can actually go outside with binoculars and see all of Jupiter's moons at the moment. Oh my gosh. It's funny you said that. I was just outside last night. We had a clear night here in Saskatchewan and that beautiful, it's just like this great, like as an artist, I'm like, "Mm, gee, Mm. mm." it like, cause I'm obsessed with the North star. Everyone who knows me knows I have a lot of North star symbolism in my work, but that, Last night, that Jupiter star was just, and yeah, like I hear you. There's, it is good timing. It really, and and my work is so ultimately feminine. So that's kind of nice, you know, like renewal, planetary possibility, fertility, change, things that are associated with the sacred feminine are in my work big time. Amazing. I got to bring this up. I was at Back to Batash. It was amazing. I had an amazing time there. And I picked up these books, children's books, that I was able to bring home to my children being a parent. And and your artwork was in all these books, teaching children about language and culture. And and tell me about this book project you did and maybe the upcoming project with Métis Nation. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you for bringing up uh, all that. Children's books has been a big hallmark of my artistic practice. Actually, it's probably the one part of my art practice I've always felt so strongly about, and it takes a lot of discipline and commitment. It takes a lot of work, and you have to work with a lot of people. But Gabriel Dumont Institute has a publishing branch here in Saskatchewan, and their whole mandate is to bring the Métis content to a younger school-age audience. So I've been working with them, and I did The Giving Tree, Relatives with Roots, and just a whole series of readable, illustrated Métis content children's books. And they've been used by school divisions from every part of Canada. 
And I'm continuing to work with them because to me, oh my gosh, if you can educate children and share with them, that's where we're really going to see that that change happen in our world. When you get young awareness of the Métis narrative, you know, it just builds bridges. And furthermore, I have fallen in love with the Métis Nation of BC. The early years branch of the organization has been working with me. I've been just brought on in such a genuine, authentic way to help their early years team create Métis resources. And we have a whole bunch of early years resources for those young families. We're talking young, like zero to five, I believe, is their target age of Métis citizens. (laughs) And those parents, of course, who are raising children at that age. I I have a three-year-old. So I'm following that. You know, like it's, and so I've been helping them work on, they're going to have a slew of resources from braiding boards to puzzles, to floor carpets, to other resources coming out. And I really encourage anyone in Canada who wants to, to really support some good work, to really keep an eye on the Métis Nation of BC early years resources that they will be selling through their website as well. And if we can support that, we're going to really help bring that narrative to that important early stage of life that we're developing for parents and families and communities. It's amazing. I'm, I'm so excited for my son to, to see that and get captured by those resources. Where can people find you online? Where can people discover I am, more about you? I've got probably the most outdated website. My All my mentees and Leah, when are you going to update that? I'm like, eh, get to it when I get to it. It's going to have to be done. That's a goal of mine. But I have a, a website, leahdorian.ca, which yeah. is just, you know, it's, but it's still is classic. I haven't revamped it because it's just got some classic yeah. stuff. So that's pretty huge for me is that one. But you could pretty well do a Google search and a lot of my art pops up and a lot of articles from all my work in the community. There's so many little articles and stories of art projects I've done over the years that seem to pop up in Google from old newspapers. I've done a lot of work like beyond Saskatchewan, like the Rupert's Land Institute in Alberta is a wonderful Métis organization. And I've done some work with them to do virtual art programming. And they they licensed a video art video education series. And I taught lessons through them that, you know, wow. you just have to hook into their series and you can attend some of the lessons virtually at that one point. And I still continue to do some virtual art through them for the Métis community in the network of Rupert's Land. But for me, what I love about what's happening with this modern world is Métis now are actually connecting interprovincially more than they have virtually. And then, then it's leading to that building across the nation and the distance and time has been reduced. So there's that one benefit of this new technology and people meeting via Zoom and other, other platforms first and then meeting in person. I just find we're networking more than we have ever. Like, look at us doing these podcasts remotely. Like, wow, you know, old days, we'd have to travel. And, you know, here we can do that. And then one day we'll meet each other in person and, you know, share a meal and have a trade. and. You know, but I just think there's some really good benefits of of doing things like this for the Métis homeland and the national continuity. And what I'm seeing from my youth, I'm in the middle of it all. Like I sit in the middle of Canada, Saskatchewan, boom, no time zone change. 
seven o'clock is seven o'clock all year here. Like you, we don't have to adjust our clocks. We are the anchor. And what I'm seeing is every province in the Mady homeland is doing their own spin and a little differently, but they're helping fill the gaps in knowledge. So I'm hoping one day we'll see this huge Métis National Clearinghouse of where everybody throws what they can in the pot. And then we see all these artists and scholars and makers and creators from each province starting to explode their resources and, and really work together to fill those gaps, which there have been so many gaps in our story and we just haven't been represented you know, in so many places, not just the arts, but just in so many other areas, politically, economically, socially. No, 100%. That is an amazing vision. And one I'm sure you share with Cassidy as well, which is very cool. Fun fact, Canada's Drag Race Season 3, we have a Métis representative there, which is very exciting. So we are... We have got someone on the, the that show, which is which is very cool. But yeah, it I is. It's very it cool. Is, no, exactly. It? Like we've, it's, we've got a senator right now who's a Métis we, senator, Yvonne, we, which is very we cool. We do, Yvonne. Absolutely. So yeah. it is like where there's so much to be proud of. Yeah. So much yeah. to be proud of. Yeah. And, and a rediscovery that Terry Fox was, in fact, Métis, which is very exciting. I know. And, you yeah. know, I remember him coming through Prince Albert. Literally, it was wow. like amazing. And he literally came here and ran through our community, our city. And I remember seeing him personally. And I was I would just I wish I would have known. <laughs> I would have given him a matey flag too to, <laughs> to or something, you know, to add to the story. You know, so talk about a person giving, giving to, you know, giving. And he yeah. continues to give through the foundation and and yeah. and the continued work that is on his behalf in his memory. Yeah. One of my favorite moments from the interview, what, and, and I see this in you, which I, I find so fascinating if you get the chance, but here's the tidbit was, so we interviewed Terry's little brother and, and he shared that he goes, you know what, we, I asked, what does it mean to be Métis and where have you seen it you know, appear? And he goes, you know, one of the things I noticed is that Métis people have this incredible ability to, to, to rally and to gather people nationally and to organize them. And that's what Terry did. And that's yeah. what it means to be Métis is we have this innate inspirational gathering ability. And I think you share that vision of what does that look like for us even nationally in our respected provinces yeah. to, to gather nationally and to share resources back and forth. And I love that. Love that vision. It's, I think it is from our oral tradition and our diplomatic protocol approach yeah. that we talked about early in the interview. Yeah. Is this we just love the oral narrative yeah. and like exchange of ideas and putting people together. And then it just shifts, you know, yeah. where the direction you go and we're such all about relationships and, yeah. and gathering. So I think that is the gift that we do give is we've always been when we're in the fur trade, it's like, okay, we're hosting the party. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got a foot in both worlds and we we can, we can yeah. get people maybe who don't talk to each other to start talking to yeah. each other. It's one of our, exactly. our gifts. And have fun while doing it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Leah, it's been, a, it's been a real treat. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. And, and shout out to the work that all of you are doing. I do have a great respect for we need to do more of these conversations with our community. So blessings to the continued work for you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this time on the Métis Speaker Series. And we'll see you next time on the show. This has been the Métis Speaker Series podcast. I'm Darian Kovacs. Thanks to Métis Nation BC for making this possible with funding provided by the Civil Forfeiture Office's Indigenous Healing Stream. You can listen to all of our episodes, learn more about the podcast, 
and sign up to the Métis Nation of BC newsletter to stay up to date on Métis news at metispodcastseries.ca. You can find out more about the music we're playing by Love Life by visiting SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lovelifeofficial, L-U-V-L-Y-F official, and link in the show notes for your convenience. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening device. See you again soon. Mina Kawapa Mitten. Thank you, Marcy, for listening. <laughs>